Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Project MedTech. I am the founder of Project MedTech, Dwayne Mancini. If you need anything from us or would like to suggest a future guest, you can email us at info at projectmedtech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. And you can always visit our website, www.projectmedtech.com, or follow us on LinkedIn. This is another episode of Project MedTech series, MedTech Money. This is a special series by Project MedTech where we have partnered with Mr. MedTech himself, Giovanni Loricella, in a series of podcast episodes focusing on money in the MedTech space. Giovanni's guest today is Juan Arango from Karatsu Forum. In this episode, Giovanni and Juan discuss how they came up with the name Karatsu Forum, how the group was founded, the size of their group, the number of deals they do a year, the various skills that you should develop as a MedTech startup CEO, how much they typically invest and when they can expect the money to hit the bank account, why selling is so important as a MedTech CEO, and so much more. So without further ado, Giovanni's discussion with Juan Orango. Juan, thank you very much for being here with us today. Greatly appreciate you introducing Caretu Forum. And this is the MedTech Money Podcast Series, powered by Project MedTech and sponsored by Lifeblood Capital. And Juan, looking forward to getting into your background and also learning more about what the Caretu Forum is and does, especially for the MedTech industry. And the reason why we're here is I want to dive into this podcast, which is the purpose. And I've talked to thousands of MedTech entrepreneurs and investors around the world. And what I've discovered is that there's no silver bullet or specific formula about how to raise or even invest capital in medtech. And so my goal here is to extract insights and anecdotal stories from entrepreneurs, investors, investment bankers, executive directors of angel groups like yourself, so that we can help those who can benefit from the information and for generations of entrepreneurs and investors to come. And so the audience here is a mixture of experts and novices, and I wanted to extract your stories, your advice, and insights for what I imagine is that first-time founder or CEO and has no clue on what lies ahead of them on their journey of raising capital. So I thought the best place to start is learning from experienced professionals like yourself. So the, the real reason, the objective reason you and I are here is we're going to be introducing the Caretu Forum and also what the Caretsu Forum does for med tech startups out there in terms of facilitation of raising capital, in addition to all the other ancillary values that you bring to them. And, and you'll be able to much better explain them than myself. And before we get into all that, I have three startup questions that I'm going to ask you with at the start of this podcast. And then we're going to get into everything that you're going to share with those who are listening today. So the first one is, do you believe that people and money are the lifeblood of a med tech startup? Why or why not? And am I missing anything else important? All right, uh, Giovanni, thank you so much. First, uh, we're very excited to be participating in your podcast. Um, you certainly have a tremendous audience. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's wonderful to be here. So thank you so much. I'm Juan Arango, Executive Director for uh, Corrento Forum, the Rockies region. And to answer your first question, I would say, you know, obviously, Money and um, and people are important, but there are, are nuances there in addition to other elements. Um, when you talk about when you talk about people, 
Um, if you start, you know, if, if, if you have an idea, if, if a company starts um, designing and building and testing out any type of medical device, the first thing that we do as an organization is look at this person's uh, track record and how many medical devices and how many patents they have, how many have they brought to market. So execution, bringing things to market is very important. And also, um, you know, exiting companies, experience exiting companies is very important. So in addition to being, you know, the, the inventor, and, and having deep knowledge as, uh, as to what, you know, the device is about and, and, and what it can help do, you need these two elements. Um, another very important thing, a crucial thing is traction, is traction. As a, as a first time entrepreneur or as an inventor, you can believe there's a lot of traction and that it really helps, but um, you know, every, every plan, you know, once the rubber hits the road, gets changed. So who is interested? Who is interested in this, in this medical device? Who are you partnering with? Who are you actually uh, testing the device on? Who are your, you know, what, what uh, institutions support you? Who do you have behind you? What, what, um, who your advisors are, all of this other traction is, is fundamental. So I would add that to the mix, you know, right off, off the top of my head. I like that one. I like, I mean, obviously traction and, and hitting key milestones is huge. Um, I haven't heard that one before in terms of being added on to the people and money aspect. So thank you for that. Uh, the next question I have for you is if you knew what you know now about being a med tech capital facilitator, if you will, and being so involved on the investment side, would you do it all over again? Why or why not? Or what would you do differently? Oh, heck yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, med tech and medical devices, uh, these are, you know, crucial innovations. You know, they tend to, they tend to follow the, almost the, like the science fiction writer route. And we don't know what's possible until we put together all these new technologies that are converging and actually work on work on improvements. A lot of technology, you know, has been around from from back in the 50s and 60s, and and it's a, it's a crucial job to to bring that into the the 21st century and and, and beyond. Now, um, Corexu Forum globally and and our our region half of our deal flow and half of our funding is, is life science. And I would say at least a third, uh, a third to half of it may be medical devices. So absolutely. That's we, we know a lot about med tech and we are going to keep on investing in that. The third one is you've, you've said the name, I've said the name, those listening in right now, what does the name of Koretsu Forum or your company mean? What, what is Koretsu Forum? And, and I don't mean define the company yet. We're not quite there, but just tell us what's, what's Koretsu? What's the name? Okay. Koretsu is a Japanese word, uh, which is basically um, a group of companies, a tightly knit group of companies that form an economic uh, force. So for example, Sony 
Sony has 300, 500, 1,000 satellite companies, which is a family of companies that forms the Sony Keiretsu or the Yamaha or the, you know, any, any uh, Japanese large corporation has this family of companies. And it just, it's exactly that family. Um, now our logo, if you look at our logo, the, the, the square with the red and the, um, and the black is a group of people grabbing their forearms and grabbing each other's forearms so they can lift, so they can lift. So again, the concept of working together, the concept of, of family is very much within what Koretsu means and what Koretsu does. That was interesting. I didn't know that. Thank yeah. you for that. So lo and behold, the man behind the voice, we'll break this up into two pieces in terms of black and white introductions. Juan Arango, please describe yourself. Where are you from? How did you build your career and your life up until this point of being the executive director over at the Koretsu Forum in the Rockies or the Rockies division? And then once we get there, Tell us what Koretsu Forum does, almost as an opportunity to share to all those entrepreneurs listening that if they don't know about what you guys do, they might want to after you're done. So let's start with who you are. Juan, tell us about yourself. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Giovanni. So let's go, let's go uh, forward to back. I've been uh, with Koretsu Forum for the past uh, seven years. I've been in the entrepreneurial space for nine as uh, in Koretsu Forum, I am currently the executive director for the Rockies region. We have uh, six chapters in the Northwest and Rockies, but I'll explain more about our structure a little bit later. I've also been syndication director, and we, I work with, with 40 other angel groups, sending them fantastic opportunities so they can, they can fund them. I was also uh, the first due diligence director for Koretsu Forum in the world anywhere. I translated the, the 400 uh, page due diligence handbook that was created in the Bay Area, translated into a workable process. And now, you know, more and more of our, of our regions are, are, using, are using that. So far in my engagement with Koretsu Forum, I've uh, advised more than 380 companies on how to raise more than $220 million. And what I do every day of my entire life is help companies raise money. Before that, uh, I was advising for startups, uh, talking to them about how to, how to set up their business plans, go-to-market strategies, and um, you know how to talk to angels, basically. Before that, I did uh, start a, a company in the gamification for education space, did an MBA, did a master's in finance, was sales manager for several years, and I started, you know, my career early, right after college, working for a boutique management consulting company that did business process improvement and um, strategy consultation. So that's 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 a little bit about who I am. Yeah, rugby player at heart. <laughs> <laughs> very nice yeah, team have, is very important team is very very important well speaking of team and networking i'm going to give this plug right now to bryce klontz the ceo over at newview surgical who not only was on this podcast series before but actually was responsible for introducing you and i and it was over the weekend actually i saw on linkedin that um, you guys did that post on actually credit form investing in newview surgical so congratulations on that congratulations to bryce and thank you again for this introduction, Bryce, if you're listening. Um, so 
what is Koretsu Forum now? I mean, you've, you've alluded to it with what you do. We've talked about a little bit of the history before, but for those starting from a white sheet of paper, if I'm a early stage medtech entrepreneur looking for early stage capital, seed capital, and I'm knocking on doors with angels or whatever, and I finally get introduced to Juan, what can Koretsu Forum do for me? And how does that work? Absolutely. Okay, so first of all, brief history on Koretsu Forum. We started in, in 2000 in the Bay Area. Randy Williams, um, a real estate investor with many, many, many friends in the Bay Area. He was being pitched constantly on the golf course on all these new and fantastic startups coming up, but they had no idea if it was, you know, if they were a good deal or not. So with his buddies on the golf course, they decided to, to form a, a group and start doing due diligence. You know, again, the logo and helping each other out, you know, lift, lift each other to find good deals and, and, and source good companies. So they started way back there in 2000, then started growing a little bit. Now we are a global organization. We have over 60 chapters all over the world. Um, in the U.S., we have, I believe it's five regions. We have over 3,500 accredited investor members. Um, our funding globally can be somewhere near the $140, $150 million a year into startups. Um, we can invest in about, that would be about between 230 startups. If you look at uh, pitch book statistics, we're always number one, number two, or number three in, late, in, in early stage and uh, in seed. So that's, you know, that's, that's what we do. My so, region. Real quickly though, just as yeah. a number one, two or three qualify that, what do you mean in pitch book number one, two or three as a, as an angel group or, or what a facilitator or how does that as work? funders, it's funders, as funders. Yeah. You can see why combinators there and a whole bunch of brand name, brand, uh, brand names are there. And we are like the, the biggest funder that nobody knows. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> that is changing though, because we are now investing, investing in, in, in marketing and, and being visible. Especially here. But yeah. And this podcast. Once we yeah. get this out, there's gonna be a lot uh, more we're gonna be world famous now. <laughs> <laughs> so my region, my region, Creative Forum Rockies and the Northwest, we have close to 400 accredited investor members. And uh, last year we invested 59.3 million dollars into 69 companies out of 84 that we looked at. So our funding rate was 82.1% last year. Average was 860 grand. Median was 250,000 and the range was 25,000 to 8.9 million. 25,000 to 8.9 million check size. Range, yeah, the range. So, so you can actually say that you could invest up to 8.9 million into a single company? Our group, yeah. Wow. We have in the past. And we've, we've you know, there's companies that have raised more from our particular group in the past. Yeah. And so, and so the 400 accredited investors, and when you say the regions, so if, if I'm in Florida and yeah. I'm looking to raise capital, am I reaching out to one in Colorado or am I reaching out to a, a, my own region or does it not matter? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, we syndicate deals internally anywhere. You know, we have a region in the Southeast. We have Mid-Atlantic. We have uh, Midwest, Central Canada, Northwestern Rockies, NorCal, SoCal, 
and um, another two another two independent chapters. So wherever you guys come in, it's it's fine. We'll all take a look at you eventually. Yeah. So then now I know about Coretsu, or at least I'm aware about it, and I want to start getting funded. What do I do? So how do I reach out to one? I'm, am I sending you an executive summary as part one? Am I filling out an application? And then just walk me through the steps from the time that Juan and I meet to the time that I get money hitting the bank of my account as an entrepreneur. Of course. Okay. So uh, for you CEOs out there, uh, being a startup CEO is like the consummate sales job. The consummate sales job. Um, a little bit of context, you know, when you when somebody buys a hundred thousand dollars of something, whether it be a service or a product, you get a bunch of widgets. You get a bunch of something very tangible. When you're talking to an entrepreneur as an investor, the only thing the investor gets for their hundred grand is, or, or actually two things. One, a piece of paper, a signed piece of paper, which is worth, you know, just as much as, as this piece of paper that I have right here, a couple of cents, and a promise of execution. So you gotta you gotta trade that hundred thousand dollar investment into into uh, the hundred thousand dollar check into um into a, a promise of execution and 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 getting the actually investor to, to believe in you and to actually you know give you the cash so it's a it's a heck of a of a hat trick so what do we do the first thing is um you guys you know probably uh, go to a, a website or get introduced to us uh, send me an email the first thing i'm going to do is i'm going to send you some intro language on what we do how we operate and criteria for success if as a as a med tech company, ideally you will already be in the market and have at least five hundred thousand dollars in sales. If not, then we are still very interested in looking at you if you guys are already going through the FDA process. If you guys are being, if you guys are are, are going through the regulatory process, we don't do earlier than that. So concept and before you reach out to the to the FDA, we we don't. You know, we don't we don't touch uh, the, the the med tech. Um, after that, if, yeah, we could, go ahead. if we could pause right there, because that's that's new to me, and I'm very glad that I now know that. So you're saying, Coretu Form typically doesn't syndicate deals or get involved in deals at, with med tech that aren't already FDA cleared or approved and commercial in terms of selling and generating revenue. You you don't deal with that whole. If I'm developing a widget or I'm developing a medical device and I'm still in R&D phases and I need to go clinically test, you're not giving that angel or seed funding that early stage. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. You know, the angel job uh, is is de-risking or investing in in as in, in opportunities as de-risked as possible. So the further along you are on that stage, the more traction you will have with our organization. Now we have seen we have seen companies that are that are in R and D, right, and are and are um, going through, you know, they're they're testing their their product. But we tend more towards the the more towards commercialization you can be, the more money you will raise from us. Clear. Yeah. 
Okay. So sorry for cutting you off on that qualification. No, no worries. Talking about the whole linear path. Yeah, the whole the whole continuum. Okay. So after after the entrepreneur director or the executive director takes a look at the executive summary and the pitch deck, you know, um, then what we do is we send you to the uh, life science investment committee, which is a group of forty professionals from all you know from the gamut of of different uh, life science activities. And they take an initial look, they look at the science, they review it, it's a pitch, it's about a 10 minute pitch, and uh, they give companies feedback. And they decide if they are either ready, or they need a little bit more work to come and, and present to our investors. The third step is actually talking to 50 investors. We have a very, very strong deal screening committee. And 50 investors, all types of investors, med tech, non-med tech investors, they take a look at the deal. It's a seven-minute pitch, seven-minute Q&A format. And if our, if our angels are highly enthusiastic about bringing the company in, and if the company is also highly enthusiastic about what we do, then um, we invite them to come through the, to the actual uh, forums. Our virtual forums. By the way, we've been we've been doing this online since COVID started. We've had tremendous success. Uh, after we coach the companies and we look at the deal terms, uh, we do pitch coaching. We do process coaching as well. You know, we we give them tips on how to attract more people to sign on as as interested. Um, we bring them to our uh, actual virtual forums. Like I said, we've had a lot of success. We now have six meetings over four days, and we put companies in front of uh, close to 300 investors, within which you can expect about 18 angel groups and 18 family offices in attendance. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting pool of money. Uh, this is much higher than what we used to do in the physical. Now, now that people don't have to have to drive the 10 miles to the you know to the to the club. Or to the meeting, you can just click on Zoom and you're anywhere in the world. We've had we've had tremendous tremendous following. That was that was my question right there. Was what what was it pre-COVID? So now this world is adapted to this virtual place. So I'm I'm sure it's even raised volume and driven it even quicker in terms of the process, like you had just mentioned. But pre-COVID, this was all taking place in person. You were setting up stages and people were pitching. And yeah. Okay. Uh huh. We would set up stages. We'd have like 50 investors in each room. Now we have between 50 and, and 100 each one of the meetings. And entrepreneurs used to have to have to fly everywhere and rent a car and carpool and get a hotel and all this stuff. No, that's not needed anymore. That's not needed anymore. Now you do need a different set of skill sets to be able to get somebody to write a check for 50 grand if you're just you know talking via zoom and on the phone but Let's, we advise on that uh-huh yeah, yeah. you were just about to say you advise on that that's a very very important point mm -hmm. because for all those listening out there who are still likely pitching like crazy and even though there's a little bit of this hybrid feeling situation where some people are getting back into conferences and who knows what's going to happen but this virtual aspect is certainly here to stay for a while if not forever um so tell us about that what is those nuances and different skill sets that you've personally witnessed that you need in order to get someone's $50,000 check virtually versus in person. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to finish with the, with the process really quick? Sure. And then I'll get into that one. Yep, okay. Absolutely. I'll so make after, 
after entrepreneurs come through our forums, our, our four-day forums, um, they're getting about 54, 55, 56 uh, interested investors, people that are interested in following up and participating in due diligence. Uh, then we have a due diligence process, which takes about uh, four, to, four to 10 weeks. Uh, that is our first sales process. We consider due diligence you know, a funding tool. And this is the first time you get to actually convince people to trade, you know, your paperwork for, for checks. After that, uh, the final step is the follow-up. I don't know if it's happened to you guys, but when you get a new investor on board, uh, nobody knows that this person invested. It's like, you know, your spouse knows and the investor and the investor's spouse know, maybe a couple of friends, but you have to start from zero again. And then, you know, that's why we designed the last part of our, of our uh, process is actually funding facilitation, which is a sort of like a on-demand coaching on how to raise money from angels, especially in the virtual Zoom COVID era. So skills that you need, skills that you need. Uh, well, number one, you definitely, you definitely need a sales process. If you don't start your meetings by, you know, telling people exactly what the expectation is, like with an upfront contract, if you don't have a, a process of, by, by which um, you let people know what it is that you're doing, if you don't have, for example, it can be the documents to sign or some kind of, of soft circle document, you know, a DocuSign that'll, that'll get people committed. You know, I have to be very structured. Okay. Um, another skill, another skill that you should really, really develop now that you're raising money online is um, recruiting your investor base, believe it or not. When I say that being uh, a startup CEO is the consummate sales job, you can think of yourself as like, like in the movie Braveheart, William Wallace, you're out there. And then if you're in front of our crowd, you have 60 investors that are looking at you. And I don't know the first game that you win 60 versus one. There is no, there is no game where you can beat 60 players on the other side. So <laughs> in my book, in my worldview, you need your investment team, and that requires skill. These guys have skin in the game. Your fates are intertwined. You know, if you don't raise money, they lose their money. You know, they go the way of the dodo. So the William Wallace moment is getting everybody to paint their face blue, grab their axes, and start communicating and endorsing the investment sharing the excitement, sharing the, um, uh, the insight about the opportunity and not being shy about a ton of emails. Also, um, you know, video, video endorsements go a long way. Uh, there's a very interesting concept, which is the, the, the digital DD, the digital, DD, the, the digital uh, due diligence which is, you know, a technique that I read about that I found was very interesting. There's a, a set of skills which are communicating and eliciting that trust 
virtually by using your existing investors and the, the power of co-investment to attract people to come in. That amongst a set of other things. But I think that's the most important one, the William Wallace moment. The, the notion that you went from in-person setting up those stages to now doing this virtual aspect, at least for Kretu Forum, for the time being, nothing's permanent. But is it now at a point where this is here to stay? Meaning, do you think even if this world comes back to this either hybrid or even in-person model, um, eventually when conferences come back full force, one, two, five, 10 years from now, whatever it may be, is Coretu Forum always going to be this efficient virtual pitching forum again? Or do you think you'll ever go back? Well, I wish it, I hope it never goes back. I hope it never goes back. You know, once uh, we used to do this on Skype and, and all these other platforms that were, were kind of spotty, but right now we've had no problems communicating. And I have no problem communicating to a group of 50 or 100 or 500 or 1,000 people. Why would you go back and pay for a 1,000-person venue, right, to pitch to when you can pay like 50 bucks a month for the same service, yeah. right? Uh, to me, it doesn't make sense. I was at a, at a conference last week in Salt Lake City um, at We Rock, and yeah, it was full of people. And it was so nice to be able, you know, to shake hands and to talk to people in the same table and to hear people coughing, <laughs> right? And not wearing face masks. And then, you know, mortality comes into play. <laughs> and then now I'm waiting the five days to see if I'm going to die. There's no need for that. Does that make sense? It does. And There's also, no need for that. Before. I've talked to investment bankers who also said that even during this COVID period, that the efficiencies of getting people together and setting up meetings between investors <laughs> and, and entrepreneurs where they used to have to wait to have four or five investors get on a plane and it was always three or four weeks out. I mean, they could do it in a quick one-on-one -on -one half hour call. So the efficiencies <laughs> of this has been great. The only thing that remains to be seen, and, and I think a lot of people agree, is there's always that human connection. But depending on where that human connection and eventual touch comes in, it might be just a lot more nuanced than it used to be where everything was in person. So we'll see. It's simple. Just, you know, not like I'm doing right now, but, you know, get a, a really get, get a set of really cool things to put behind your camera so people can talk about them, smile a lot, have a logo, you know, be outgoing, you know, human connection is there. Yeah. Except that you can't shake hands and, and exchange germs. Well, I've, I've made a lot of friends. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I've made a lot of friends throughout this COVID period, yourself included, right? I mean, I, yeah, I, look at us. My, my, yeah. Look at us. <laughs> I mean, my network from, I had a great network before COVID. Now my network is even better. So it's expanded. I, I, yeah. I agree with you. Um, so the one thing I wanted to get clear is you mentioned you bring together angel groups, you bring together family offices and even for myself, and you've explained this to me, I just wanted to just make sure it's crystal clear for those listening. So yeah. does Coretu Forum provide the opportunity to aggregate these investors that those investors then, so for example, Family Office ABC and Angel Group ABC, which Coretu Forum then brings into this pitch, when they decide to invest, 
is it family office invest in that co company? Is it that angel group invest in that company? Or is it Coretu Forum invest in that company? Is Coretu Forum this facilitator of this amazing network? Or are they also a direct investor? Or are they everything all at once and everything different at the same time? How does that work? Yeah. Okay. So you can think of us as an, uh, as a, an event production company okay. whose purpose is to fund companies. Okay. Right? If you've ever been to a trade show as a, as a, you know, as an exhibitor, if you have a booth at a trade show, why do you go to a trade show? Right. It's the same reason you come to Koretsu Forum, except that, you know, the audience is not going to be, you know, the public in general. It's not going to be like your competitor. It's not going to be your client. It's going to be investors or most of the people, 95%, 90% of the people that come to our meetings are, are there to invest. The others are, are resource providers. Now, um, one thing that many angel groups do that is very common is set up uh, special purpose vehicles, LLC designed uh, for the unique purpose of investing in a deal or a series of deals. Um, historically, we have not done that. We have not done that. Uh, our angels and our family offices and our, you know, our investors are sophisticated and they are typically, um, you know, professional angels. So they kind of don't like to relinquish the, the direct control that they have, the direct communication that they have with the company. So everybody comes in as a different line of investment. Okay. We are exploring SPVs and we might be bringing that on starting, starting next year, but it won't be uh, exclusively through us. Every angel group that you talk to and you meet through us, you have to go through their process. You have to go through their DD. Same thing as, as it happens with any investor. Everybody invests independently. So as you mentioned, and great clarity, so this event production company, like, as you describe yourself, Cretu mm -hmm. Forum has an amazing network of investors. They also have this ability to bring in entrepreneurs looking for capital or even have that natural network itself, but on both sides of the table and then bring them together. That's yeah. This is where they come to commune and to decide whether it's a good investment or not. This is where they come to get excited about um, insights that other investors bring. This is where they get together to do a lot of due diligence and, and put checks into, into companies. Here's yeah. A spin, or maybe it's a difficult question or a challenging question. What would make a med tech startup company not the ideal target or company to join in a Coretu forum? Like, why would a company not make it? Oh, sometimes it's it's just too early. Okay, companies are just too early, and our investors um, they typically do want to follow up, but more as a mentor, more as an advisor, more as, you know, that, that, that sort of engagement instead of putting money in. Okay. Um, one thing that is very important, no matter how experienced you are, you need to be a phenomenal communicator. You have to be a phenomenal communicator. Uh, format uh, for angel group is very limited. If an angel carves out seven minutes, you know, so you can like pour your life's work into that. And, you know, and, and like the, potent, the, the, the world transforming potential that your company has, you have to be a phenomenal communicator to be able to hit 
every single spot to hit, you know, to hit the spot and every single topic within seven minutes. It's very difficult for some people. Fortunately, um, entrepreneurs that come here are very well coached and have, have run, you know, they master their, their, um, their pitches. So if you're not a good communicator, get a pitch coach and do the, 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 the Steve Jobs thing. And in addition to bringing these two sides together, you were mentioning earlier that Credit Forum was also getting involved in consulting themselves, right? They, they help counsel. Is that something that you had mentioned? Uh, not directly. Not, not directly. directly. Okay. Indirectly. Indirectly. Um, when companies come through due diligence and uh, there's so much interaction between potential investors and the entrepreneurial team, um, typically what happens is, is, you know, the angels have, have so much insight and so much experience that what happens is the side effect of a due diligence is helping the entrepreneur um, see what they actually know what they don't know. Okay. Look in the blind spots. So that's a byproduct of, of due diligence. We don't do consulting, but you know, if you have five or six, uh, 20 year professionals, 30 year professionals in every field, looking at your company from every direction, they're going to find something that you can improve upon. So let's not call it consulting. Let's not call it acceleration, but it is, a, you know, in that direction is what happens after you come through a due diligence. Okay. And I want to go back to one point that you were talking about in terms of timing. So I just want to make it more concise and very clear. I'm introduced to one from Koretsu. I'm a med tech startup looking to raise capital. I fit the bill in terms of joining Koretsu Forum. And also I'm interesting for other investors that you're bringing to the table. Typically speaking, average, quick, and long. How long and before that money hits my account? If I'm if I'm saying to the world, you know, I'm an early stage startup company, I'm looking to raise my seed capital or series A, and I'm gonna allocate six to nine months to raise it. Is that realistic? Is that gonna take too long, too short? What are your thoughts on that? Okay, so first uh, we take a bite out of these raises. Okay. You know, 860 grand or 500 grand or 250 grand is just a bite. Right. So we typically don't fill the round. Um, but uh, to your question of when do you start getting the money? It's a very interesting question because I've seen all types of entrepreneurs, the type of entrepreneur that just hits the button and expects uh, checks to be written. You know, in this day and age, I will build it and they will come seems to be, you know, it seems not to be extinct. But then again, I go back to the, to the analogy of, you know, the hat trick, 50 grand for, you know, two cents a piece of paper and, and the promise. So here's my answer. How good are you at raising capital? Are you this professional salesman? You know, if you're not, either partner with one or you know, hire, you know, get classes. This is a shameless plug, Sandler. Sandler, they have a fantastic sales program. Phenomenal. Get into something like that. 
right? Some kind of, of sales training. Uh, so typically, it'll take you about a couple of months. You got to go through the due diligence and you got to convince the due diligence team to invest. Okay. So it'll take a couple of months, right? My recommendation is start selling from day one. I've seen 400, 500, a couple million dollars being raised on the same day of the same of the first pitch. So how impressive are you as a salesman? There's your answer. Some companies, you know, they take four months to raise capital. Our cycle is, is three months long. So that's what I that's what I what I typically expect for you to get, you know, the, the 25K to 8.9 million within within three months. 8.9 million being, oh, you know, you got to be like a mega rock star to be able to do that. But yeah, it's it's possible. Start selling on day one. And do you need an executive summary or a long pitch deck? Yeah. You know, uh, in our in our industry, that's the basic language. Nobody's going to. So I get 120, 100, 120 uh, people contacting me every single month. And everybody wants to talk to me. Everybody wants a half an hour to explain what their deal is. Um, imagine 120 times 30 minutes. I wouldn't have time to do anything else in my entire life. So, um, you know, investor shorthand, pitch deck, executive summary. Your pitch deck should be 10, maximum 15 um, slides long. It should include very basic things like your value prop, problem solution, um, your traction it should include uh, your team. It should include also uh, the deal terms, financial projections, you know, things like that. You no, know, yeah. And so after- And executive summary, yeah. After there's a success between Coretto Forum bringing together an investor and an entrepreneur, and the money eventually hits the bank. What's then the relationship with Koretsu Forum and those entrepreneurs? Do, do they come back again for their next round? Is it transactional for that particular raise? Is it a long-term relationship that's being built for additional networking? How, what does that look like? Well, our investors, they want to keep in touch. So companies, they typically come back at least once a year after they come and pitch. You know, they pitch. And then they come and do an update. And then every six months to a year, they come back and do updates, you know, every single race. Yeah, that's that's ideal. Okay. And then from being an investor into Koretsu Forum, am I signing up to Koretsu Forum to have awesome exposure to these entrepreneurs and startups that you're bringing to the table? Is it like a club that I'm joining, a membership that I'm joining, or is it I can just show up to the table and Koretsu is just going to bring these amazing opportunities to me? Well, that happens at first because we do need, you know, we, we do attract guests. As long as you're an accredited investor and you have experience and you're excited about startups, you can come to two or three or, or maybe even four of our meetings for absolutely free. But we are a membership organization. So it is kind of this kind of this club. This club um, and you get a number of benefits, uh, for example, high quality deal flow. 
high quality deal flow. You know, if you if you've paid a little bit of, uh, you know, by by what I've, I've told you guys before, we have at least three or four instances where we where we pre-select companies before they're ready to pitch. Um, we coach them. We look at their deal terms. So you guys are going to get within the the angel space. You're going to get some top notch opportunities. Okay. The second thing, which is a little bit different from from smaller angel groups, is um, you're going to be able to participate and benefit from um, you know top shelf due diligence. We can do diligence. Anything on this planet from, you know, from rubber producing Russian dandelions to rocket science, you know, to rocket, solid rocket fuel, to SaaS companies, to AI as a platform, whatever you throw at us, we have people that have been there and done that and can come, can help you come to a conclusion of, of this, if this is good or not. Uh, especially in life science, like half of our portfolio is life science. As I mentioned before, this year we've invested in 54 companies and I was pulling up the stats a little while ago. Out of these 54 companies, 29 are life science. And out of the $32 million that we put into companies this year, 15.9 is, um, is dedicated to life science so far this year. And so, as a company, we, we talked about the investor and, and you said guess, et cetera. If I'm signing up for Koretsu, am, am I just filling out an application or is there value and cost associated with that mark, partnership and membership as well? Or do yeah. you guys take a, a VIG on the raise like investment bankers do or how does that work? No, we're not. We are not. Um, we are not brokers. So it's illegal for us to, to charge anything on your raise. Also, you know, many brokers do that 2%, 5% and you get exclusivity. We do not do that. We do not do that. Also, we do not have a success based fee. 82% of companies like actually this year, we're at 85% of companies that come through raise capital, but that's why we make sure that number one companies are far enough along to be able to afford a raise and Hire our services, actually, which I'm going to talk about in a, in a second. Um, so companies are far along. Mm, our process, our process, what we, yeah. So on one side for the entrepreneurs, right? We do have a business model. On one side for the members. Let me, let me talk about the members first. Um, it's an annual membership fee, like any other angel group. For entrepreneurs, um, we do have a value proposition and just like, you know, startups uh, have things that they sell or products that they sell and they add considerable value. The same thing, you know, is what, what we do. We add considerable value and startups hire us to help us uh, to help them raise capital. So, yeah, there is an economic there. There, there is an economic um, exchange there. You and I talked about this on our calls previous, and I, and I want to come back to this number you keep on mentioning, this 85% of companies get invested in. And I know that's very important for you, right? Because that's a, a branding aspect for Coretzo. I mean, you're saying that there's an 85% chance or 85% of the companies that go through Coretzo Forum get invested in, which in theory, 85% chance of getting invested in if I'm a startup company going through Coretzo. 
So how do you develop that process to get such a high number? I mean, it's not just one in two companies get invested or you hear some of these other angel groups who I've interviewed on this podcast series that say we have a hundred companies that we assess each year and we're lucky if we invest in two of them, which is a 2% investment rate. How do you get an 85% investment rate? We make sure that the tech that comes through uh, is extraordinarily interesting to our investors. So before companies engage, before they're asked to sign any type of agreement, before any type of check is written, we do this this four-step vetting process, right? On the side of the investors, the investors have to be highly, highly enthusiastic because it's it's almost almost a win right there. If not, then you know we we don't we don't ask them to come through the process. Now on the other side, on the other side, we make sure that uh, the entrepreneurs know how to raise capital, that they know how to exchange, you know, what I mentioned before as the, as the, you know, as, as, as the trick to getting angel investment. So when we have a highly enthusiastic set of 300 to 400 investors, that are deploying capital actively. No, they're not just showing up. They have the ability to do high power and in-depth due diligence. You know, these guys are writing checks. And if you're good at selling to these people, if you have a high batting average, well, then it's it's a no-brainer. You're going to raise money. And on the back end, we're going to advise you on how to raise money because of all these other other. Uh, tactics and, and techniques that I've been mentioning. So then to, to wrap up and, and have so that's, that, that's how you get from 25 to 50% funding to 85. Yeah. And now if we start with SPVs and other things that we're working on, maybe we'll get it up to 90%. Now then here's a question. Here's a question because, um, you know, here's another analogy as an entrepreneur how much would you pay for a service that would give you 90 to 95% certainty that you're going to raise on average 860 grand? How much are you going to pay? Right? Well, we're going to charge you a, 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 a very small fraction of that. And that's the benefit and value that Kratu brings. Yeah, we add value. In, in, in a capitalistic society, you know, if you add value, there's an opportunity or, or, you know, not even an opportunity. There's an expectation of you charging for that value that you add. Mm-hmm. Now, the difference is uh, what is the cost you're paying versus the value that you're receiving? Yeah. Right. So that's the analysis. We don't do hard sales. So. We covered the, the gamut of if I'm an investor, an entrepreneur, and I'm looking to raise money. I mean, you, you answered all of my questions in terms of what did that whole process look like. Um, I think, very objectively speaking, and to wrap this up, your advice. I mean, you see so many entrepreneurs, you see so many pitches, you see so many different styles, you see so many mistakes, and you see so many. Wow, that guy or that girl is good. If you could give advice to entrepreneurs who are looking to raise capital, and I know that you did allude to it in this whole 
virtual versus in-person raise and those differences like you talked about yeah. the skill sets what advice would you give to entrepreneurs using that algorithm that you've naturally built up everything that you've seen what are some of the biggest mistakes that you habitually see and what are some of the great things that you wish all entrepreneurs possessed if they're going to properly raise capital okay uh first you know the notion that um we build it and they will come that just does not work you know the push a button ceo and let things happen you know i pitched now where's my where's my cash kind of thing that you know that is a, a pitfall um another one is um in the valuation of the company in the valuation sometimes entrepreneurs consider it um like the sale of an asset and price it accordingly right but uh they don't realize that what they're actually doing is they're 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 convincing partners to fuel their dream to fuel their technology so it is different when your company is is valued or evaluated is appraised by a pwc or by your lawyer or by you know or by a benchmark out in silicon valley versus what angel investors are expecting so do research on that you're not selling your asset you're bringing strategic partners on board for you know and they have to pay for that okay um so how does an entrepreneur win and a, a lot of medtech and life science ceos are are within this category the most professional ceos i've ever seen are medtech and life science diagnost you know professionals within the life science field um and it is because they are serial entrepreneurs they are serial entrepreneurs um if we still have a little bit of time an analogy the analogy for an investor would and for an entrepreneur would be if this is your first time as an entrepreneur um this looks more like a project more like an art project you're figuring things out right you're figuring things out and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn as an investor am i going to pay you to learn every time i give you money it's 25 grand so every one of your lessons is going to cost me 25 grand uh, that's a difficult one to swallow now if you have two companies or one company that you've brought and then you've sold you've exited this starts looking more like a process when you have four it starts looking more like an automated process if you have six and you're not 90 years old well you know you got this down so my advice is either um partner for a first time for a first time entrepreneur in the medtech field partner with somebody that has done this several times because you need to give the investor the confidence that you're not here to lose and you're not here for the long run and there's another discussion right after that no very quickly when an investor tells you they invest in team 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 they mean growth 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 
and investor portfolios are chock full of zombie zombie companies that have grown and have not exited. That is the death of angel investing. So the execution part that you got to look like is the execution of exiting. Team, team, team to me means exit, exit, exit. If you, if you can't show that, you're going to have a problem, you know, selling yeah. to investors. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. And then I, I would say if we, if we leave off on a, on a hot positive high note, one, one thing that you could just tell all entrepreneurs listening that hopefully will go to correct to form when they're raising their capital. And obviously with that 85% and soon to be continuously growing upwards in terms of percentage of chance of getting invested in, which is a very high one. Um, so hopefully this gives a little bit of uh, sparkle to Koretsu for all those who didn't know about them before. But all those entrepreneurs that you wish could know something positive of, this is what you need to do to be a great entrepreneur who's going to raise capital. What, what's your number one? I'll, I'll even pigeonhole you in the corner. What's your number one skill set? Communication skills. You know, being personable, um, being to a certain degree, you know, coachable, listening to your investors, um, giving them updates frequently, maybe not each month or, you know, not a different, you know, bespoke kind of report to every investor, but very, being very transparent and um, taking advantage of the opportunities that come through that through that communication. Now, you can be 100% transactional. And what do I get for this? What do I get for that? But oftentimes, it works better to, you know, just openly, you know, share. Because yeah. all this sharing comes back. And if you're smart enough, you can capitalize on that. That would be my, and, and credit form is a fantastic opportunity. We have thousands of CEOs that have come through our process. We have, you know, right now hundreds of investors within our, our particular region and they love giving back. They love paying it forward. So take advantage of that would be my advice. Couldn't have said it any better. And I firmly believe in paying it forward. So Juan Arango, Executive Director of Crestview Forum. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing with the world who Coretsu Forum is and what value that they could add to those entrepreneurs who are out there raising capital. This is the MedTech Money Podcast Series, where we demystify raising and investing capital. Thank you so much, Juan. Thank you, Giovanni. This has been awesome. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you need anything from the podcast, you can always contact us at info at projectmedtech.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.